Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 141. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Next Step Test Prep, the MCAT Podcast is here to make sure you have the information you need to succeed on your MCAT test day. We all know that the MCAT is one of the biggest hurdles you'll face as a pre-med, and we're here to give you the motivation and information that you need to know to help get you the score you deserve so you can one day call yourself a physician. Uh, welcome to the MCAT podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. As always, I'm joined by Clara from Next Step Test Prep. She is the head MCAT master over at nextsteptestprep.com, and she's bringing her expertise to you every week for free here on the podcast. This week, we're continuing our breakdown of Next Step Test Prep Full Length 10, Psych Soch Passage Number 6. We're getting close to the end. Can you feel it? I can. Let's go ahead and jump in and say hello to Clara. Ooh, so this is going to be a fun one. Um, this one is a sociology passage, and it focuses on medicalization which is a concept in sociology, uh, you'll actually find a surprising number of questions on the MCAT that are about um, the sociological um, sociological relationships to like health and disease um, and that sort of thing. So we're going to see some really key concepts here. Uh, it's going to talk a little bit about a study that they did. So it should be fun. All righty. Uh, and just, just to make it known, when you say, ooh, we're going to have fun with this one, like you are the outlier in this world because of uh, because of that reaction. Oh yeah, I. But you know, I think I think students can have fun with the MCAT uh, as long as you just don't let it stress you out too much. <laughs> just try to learn, you know, learn one thing from every passage, and you you've made progress, and, and that's kind of fun. <sighs> okay, all right, all right. <laughs> or all something. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's see. Uh, passage six. There is increased concern about the medicalization of health and treatment of illness. In particular, there is concern that conditions are being pathologized and overtreated with medication. Characterizing medical conditions as diseases and unnecessarily treating them with medicine can have negative consequences on people's health and on healthcare budgets, among other consequences. One reason for the medicalization of health is that treating a condition with medicine is relatively easier than fostering lifestyle or behavioral changes. Another reason is that health consumers are becoming increasingly aware of diseases because of access to information, such as through the internet, leading them to perceive concern with their health and to desire treatment at times when not appropriate. A final reason is that the pharmaceutical industry has a financial incentive to encourage the diagnosis of disease and prescription of medicine, leading to pressure on medical professionals and the public to respond accordingly. 
This pressure often comes in many forms, such as through advertising medicine. Researchers sought to investigate the influence that the terminology used to describe a disease had on individuals. Participants were parents who brought their infants to a medical provider for gastrointestinal issues the infants were having. Half of the parents were told the issue was a condition, and this is the condition group, and the other half were told that the infants were experiencing GERD, standing for gastroesophageal reflux disorder, and this is the GERD group. In addition, half of participants in the control group and GERD group were told that medicine for this condition was ineffective, and that's the told ineffective group, while the other half was not given information about the medicine, they're the no information group. Uh, the number of parents who desired the medication are presented in the following figures by groups. Uh, and we omitted the figures here because uh, they're not really going to be suited for a podcast. But certainly uh, it's going to be important to think about how this figure, um, the study was constructed and why we had all of our different groups. Uh, okay. Uh, the GERD group. I like that. <laughs> uh, and so condition group, GERD group, told ineffective, and no information. So we got four different kind of variables here. Exactly. Uh, okay. So question 31, what does the passage suggest would be the most effective way to decrease the medicalization of health? Interesting. Uh, A, give patients extensive information about disorders. B, encourage preventive measures. C, use the scientific names of diseases. Or D, increase the cost of medicine. Ooh. Um, so giving patients extensive information about disorders doesn't seem like that makes sense. Um Okay, uh, B, encourage preventive measures, uh, potentially. That's always a way to decrease um, uh, costs. Uh, okay, so maybe. Uh, C, use the scientific names of diseases. And so I'm not sure that has anything to do with it. I don't know if because we're missing the figures, if, if maybe there's some data that would help answer this, but I'm assuming not because we don't have it nope. and we're using the question. Uh, and de-increase the cost of medication. And that doesn't seem to make sense because they didn't talk about uh, that at all. So so really the only one it seems to make sense, although uh, they don't talk about it in the passage, but the way that the question's written, what does the passage suggest? Uh, maybe means that they don't necessarily have to talk about it in the passage. Oh, man. So I would go with B because <laughs> I'm super confused at this point. Encourage preventive measures and I'd move on. B is correct. Okay. Uh, that's the right thing to do, by the way. Uh, sometimes with questions like this, the more, and honestly with any question, the more you think about it, if you're unsure, the more you'll start to get confused and like talk yourself into a weird answer. So just cut it off. Just pick the one that was logically um, most appealing to you in the beginning and then move on. Okay. So yeah, so B is right. And we didn't need any figure or anything like that for this one because we could just use the paragraph two, which talks about these three different reasons for the medicalization of health. Uh, and so the, one of the reasons, if we look at A first and we just eliminate, uh, one of the reasons is uh, for medicalization that they cite is that health consumers are becoming increasingly aware of diseases because of access to information. So information, yeah, exactly. Information is making it worse. So yeah. A is out. 
Okay. Um, yeah, and then if we skip over B for a second, go to C, use the scientific names of diseases. Um, this one is just really implied with the third paragraph with this idea that GERD, you know, using this really fancy sounding uh, medical mm-hmm. term might make people think they need medication. Uh, so that would make medicalization worse as well. And then increase the cost of medicine. Well, they did reference that the third reason for medicalization was the pharmaceutical industry having a financial incentive. And not only would increasing the cost of medicine seem like sort of a bad thing because now it costs more for people. Uh, now the pharmaceutical industry can stand to make even more money off of a given medicine if they sell it. So if anything, that would make it worse. So B is perfect. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, Next one, number 32. Participants who later report that the GERD diagnosis reminded them of other serious diseases upon which they base their desire for medication are using what heuristic? A, familiarity heuristic, B, availability heuristic, C, representative heuristic, or D, anchoring heuristic? (laughs) Oh. Later report that the GERD diagnosis reminded them of other serious diseases upon which they based their desire for medication. Ooh. So, heuristics, I don't remember these at all, but it's interesting. The familiarity one kind of screams out, right? The uh, reminded them of other serious diseases. You're like, oh, they're familiar with it. So, that must be the answer. And and we've talked before. If it if it seems like it's too easy, then that it might be the right answer. But I'm a little hesitant on this one, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna hold off. Uh, availability heuristic. Um, I don't I don't know what that means, and it doesn't seem like it matters at all. Representative uh, potentially could be, um, and then anchoring heuristic seems i don't know i like i like the just the term anchoring it seems like it it's a a fancy word that can fit a lot of things <laughs> and so it's like anchoring them uh but that whole familiarity heuristic i'm like oh that seems so obvious uh and so i'm, I'm gonna have to pick it but I, my second guess would be d <laughs> this is a tough question because these are all four heuristics that we need to know for the MCAT. Um, so it's a little bit less helpful to try to use their names, unfortunately. Oh, man. <laughs> so not not quite. So the answer here was actually a different one. It was okay. B, um, availability heuristic. Um, and so, yeah, so I can tell you. So first of all, familiarity is super tempting. Um, but familiarity heuristic is actually something a little bit different. And that is, um, it's the the tendency that people have to prefer familiar things. So if you, uh, you know, had, you know, maybe like a certain kind of dog when you were a child, uh, maybe over the rest of your life, you'll prefer that type of dog or even things like you'll prefer food that's familiar to you based on um, your cultural heritage and that sort of thing. So it's not relevant here. Whereas B, the availability heuristic, um, is our tendency to, when we're looking for information to support a decision, we tend to um, use information that's just more immediately available to us. So like the classic example of the availability heuristic is um, uh, people who watch a lot of like, um, 
you know, news at night will sometimes think that the rate of murders is way, way higher than it actually <laughs> is. Because <laughs> all they do is they see murders on TV and that information is very available to them and they base their um, their perception of murder rate upon that. So here uh, it's relevant also. They're, they see GERD, they're like, oh my gosh, that sounds scary. And the information available to them is some other serious sounding scary diseases and they use that. Okay. Um. Yeah, and the other two, uh, representative, um, so this is actually the representativeness heuristic, so representativeness, and uh, essentially it's our, we tend to, when we see something new happen, or we see like a new object or something like that, we tend to uh, judge it based on sort of a prototype of that object, if that makes sense, like, um, this is kind of a confusing one. But if we saw two objects and, and one of them was familiar and then one of them was unfamiliar but looked kind of similar to the other object, we might judge it based on um, its little differences between um, between those two objects. So that one is a little bit weird, but it's usually not the right answer. Okay. Um, availability heuristic is actually by far, um, from the MCAT questions I've seen, by far the most um, commonly tested one. Okay. Uh, and anchoring, anchoring heuristic is where as we make decisions, we tend to use this sort of anchor point. So like an initial piece of information. So like one good example of anchoring uh, heuristic, and these are all heuristics, so they're essentially flawed um, cognitive processes or shortcuts. Uh, so let's say we have our anchoring heuristic. Let's say we're going out to buy a car and the guy who's trying to sell us this car, it says, oh, you know, I'll, I'll give it to you for $20,000. Um, and it turns out the car is not worth even close to that, but then we'll use that initial piece of information as an mm. anchor yeah, uh, throughout the rest of the discussion. And we'll think, oh, if he gives it to us for like, you know, $16,000, we'll think, oh, it's $4,000 <laughs> off. It's a sales tactic. Maybe that's where anchoring stood out to me because I like sales. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah you, very, an you anchor the price. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Very relevant. Interesting. Okay. So availability heuristic. Okay. Totally. I like those ones. Fun. Yeah. All right. Question 33. In what reason for the medicalization of health is the patient not fulfilling their sick role? A, in being exposed to pharmaceutical advertising. B, in seeking out information about their condition. C, in not behaving in healthier ways. Or D, in seeking medicine from their doctor, even when it is not seen as effective. Ooh. And what reason for the medicalization of health is the patient not fulfilling their sick role? Interesting. And so going back, you mentioned earlier paragraph two, where, where kind of the, the medicalization of uh, health here Um Treating with medicine is easier than lifestyle changes, uh, increasing aware of the diseases and access to information, and uh, the pharmaceutical industry having this incentive, financial incentive. So I'm assuming that's what it's referring to here. And so how are patients not fulfilling their sick role? Well, exposed to adversutical, uh, pharmaceutical, <laughs> that's a new word, I just made it up, adversutical, uh, pharmaceutical advertising. Um, I'd assume that's access to information. Um, so that would, that seems like that would fit. 
the second reason that's given in paragraph two, seeking out information about their disease. That seems like it's potentially the same. Or maybe, maybe because those two are there, one of them is different. Um, C, in not behaving in healthier ways. So that's uh, the first reason that was given. Uh, uh, easier to take medication than fostering lifestyle or behavioral changes. Or D, seeking medication from their doctor even when it is not seen as effective. So that one, that one's interesting because that one isn't necessarily, um, that one's not necessarily talked about anywhere, although you could lead that to a financial incentive to treat with medications even if it's not super effective. Um, so I'm torn here between D and A. So the question for me is, is exposure to pharmaceutical advertising the same as consumers becoming increasingly aware of diseases because of access to information? I would say it is. And so I would go with D, I think. This is a really hard question. (laughs) I love, (laughs) I love how you lead because I'm like, oh, I got it wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I don't really hide it, but yeah, no, this is, um, this is probably the hardest, um, by, by percent correct. This is the hardest question we've done so far, Really, um, in the psych session, um, I believe, or at least in, um, certainly in this passage, but okay. basically, uh, the answer is actually C mm. and here's the thing. So this is actually Ooh. really a can, two part. Can I take, can I take a guess? Please. Because answer choice C is says in not behaving in healthier ways. And it says one reason for the medicalization of health is that treating a condition with medicine is relatively easier than fostering lifestyle and behavioral changes. So it's almost like one is from the patient side of things and one is from the physician trying to foster the change in the patient. Hmm. So I don't know if that's the difference there, potentially. I think you might I think you might be going about this question um sort of the wrong way. Okay. Uh, and so, and, and that's not so surprising because it's sort of a little bit convoluted. Um, and basically we have two things going on here. We have in what reason for the medicalization of health. So these are going to be reasons for the medicalization of health. And then the second part of the question is, is the patient not fulfilling their sick role? Uh, and the sick role is actually a term that you should know, which makes this concept, this question a lot harder Mm. if you don't know it. Uh, but basically, it's not a not question exactly. It's not saying which of these is not a reason for the medicalization of health. Okay. It's really saying which is a reason for the medicalization of health, but which goes against the uh, sociological concept of the sick role. Aha. Okay. <laughs> so there's why it was hard. Okay. So sick role is a specific definition that that a student should know. It is. Okay. Um, yeah. And what the sick role is, is essentially it's this concept of what a sick person should do in our society. Uh, and so it most, most commonly refers to people with maybe chronic conditions, um, not just people who are, uh, temporarily sick, but most commonly people who are sick for a longer period of time, although it could refer to anybody who's sick. And basically what it says is that a person in the sick role, uh, might not be expected to do as much, uh, might not be expected to go to work, um, uh, but they are expected to act in ways that are more likely to make them healthy. So they're expected to listen to their doctor, um, to take their medication and that sort of thing. Uh, sort of like the ideal sick person. Um, and then if we look at C, C is perfect because C is um, 
a reason for medicalization, like you said about the lifestyle changes, and then in C, the patient is not fulfilling their sick role because they, as an ideal sick person, they should try to be healthier, but they are not. Okay. So that's why. Wow. Okay. That's a hard question. It is. Um, it's very hard. But yeah, once you know that the sick role is a thing and you know what it means, it makes it a lot easier. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a hard one because you, you read sick role and you're like, oh, that must be just some generic thing about being sick. And, uh, and then it, you come to find out that, no, there's a, uh, of course, <laughs> it's like soch, and so there's a definition for it. Uh, and so, yeah, there we go. Totally. Okay. Yeah, that's a challenge. Um, all right. I will read the next one, number 35. If the study were modified to include a measure of the number of questions asked of the doctor by parents, how would this change the design of the study? A, the levels of the dependent variable would be increased. B, the levels of the independent variable would be increased. C, a new dependent variable would be added. Or D, a new independent variable would be added. All right. <laughs> so again, psych so you have to know uh, studies and how to put them together and all this kind of research stuff protocols. So uh, if it were modified to include a measure of the number of questions asked of the doctors by patients, so not asked by the doctors to the patients, but asked of the doctors by the parents, not patients, uh, how would this change the design of the study? Okay. Uh, The levels of the dependent variables would increase, independent variables would be increased, a new dependent variable will be added. A new independent variable will be added. Wow. Um, <laughs> hmm. Dependent, independent. So it's it's interesting. If if you're looking at the medicalization of health, if the parents are asking the doctor's question, is that one of the reasons here, like becoming more aware, accessing information, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know if that would be a new variable um, because we're kind of already looking at that because we're looking at information. Although the the study at the end is just talking about the condition group versus hmm, control group. We're told medication was ineffective. The other group was told no information. All right. So I th- I think I think I've changed my mind that maybe it would be a new variable. Mm, and I'm gonna go with C and move on just because I'm tired of thinking about it. And I'm just confusing myself even more. <laughs> well, you you got it right. Okay. Yeah, that's because I'm um, smart. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Um, so, so let me give you my rationale for why I chose it. It, it was s- somewhat strategic. It wasn't just pixie and move on. Um, so, I, just looking at the third paragraph, uh, the third paragraph is this study, and I, I assume that's what the question is referring to. Uh, these two groups, condition group and GERD group, and then the told ineffective versus no information. Um, and so if, if we have this measure of numbers of questions that were asked, um, it would have to be a new variable. 
to to add because um, it's it's adding this new measure. So it's a, it's a new variable that uh, when you look at uh, right statistical analyses and stuff, when you add in all the variables, this is going to be a new one. Uh, and so that's why I went with C or D. And then uh, dependent, independent, I don't remember specifically the definitions of dependent, independent, but I went with dependent because I would assume that questions being asked by the parents are going to affect something. And so that's why I chose dependent. I don't know if that's logical at all, but that's why I chose C. No, it is. Um, it is. It's a little so. So we can be a little bit more precise about dependent, independent. But first of all, what you thought about this having to be a new variable is a hundred percent accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just a brand new thing like that. Uh, the four groups that we saw in the passage are were the previous groups that they were studying. So there were previous independent variables that, and independent variables, by the way, are uh, variables that are manipulated by the experimenter that are sort of like the things that we're studying. Okay. Um, so it already had variables. Uh, so if we're introducing this whole brand new thing, that must be a new variable. Okay. Uh, so it has to be C or D. And then dependent versus independent. So as I mentioned, independent is what the experimenters are manipulating. And then dependent uh, is essentially what they're measuring. Like, so if you say, oh, what they're manipulating is whether you tell the patient they have GERD or whether they tell them they just have a condition, that's an independent variable because it's what they're what they're affecting. Mm. Uh, and then if you're measuring how likely they are to um, take medication, since that's a measure, it's a dependent variable. And this in this question stem, they even use the word measure. So it's a measure of the number of questions asked of the doctor by parents. Um, the experimenters aren't manipulating that. That's just something that's happening, but they're measuring it. So it's dependent. Interesting. All right. So we have to figure out uh, the, the student has to figure out a good mnemonic to remember the measurement and dependent and... Uh, the independent and kind of that's what's given. Uh, I forget the terminology they use for independent, but trying to figure out some mnemonic to to remember those two yeah. things. Yeah, it's yeah. Everyone has their own mnemonics. We have dependent and measure, and then we have independent. Independent, I always think independent manipulate like the experimenters are actually manipulating it. So if you can think of something about that, then and it helps, then go for it. All right, so there you have it. Next step: test prep, full length ten psychos passage. Six, hopefully you learned a lot today that you can carry forward into your MCATs prep, into your full lengths, into your real test, your real actual test that you're going to go and crush because you listen to this podcast. There are 60,000 students every year that take the MCAT and only about maybe 6,000 students listen to this podcast roughly. And so you are in the minority, which is a good thing. I don't like to talk about competition, but hey, you're getting a leg up because you're listening to this free podcast. And if you are looking for some help with your next step or with your MCAT, rather, you still have a couple weeks as we release this in mid-April. You have a couple weeks for that increased tutoring discount from Next Step Test Prep. It is $150 off tutoring from Next Step Test Prep instead of $50 off, which is their normal discount using the promo code MCATPOD or mentioning that you heard about it here on the podcast. That increased discount is good through the end of April 2019. 
Again, MCAT pod or mention the podcast to get that $150 off MCAT tutoring. You can go sign up to talk to one of their academic advisors and see if tutoring is right for you at nextsteptestprep.com. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT podcast. <laughs>